Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Satan's consideration of Job as we pick up in Job chapter 1, verse 8. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. But first of all, when Satan comes in to present himself before God, God says, oh, where have you been? He said, oh, I've been cruising around the world. Going to and fro throughout it, walking up and down. God said, oh, have you considered my servant Job? God's doing a little bragging now. He's got one down there who really loves him. He's a perfect man. He hates evil praying for his children. The word considered is the word that I'm interested in, though, because it is actually a military term. It is the term that is used of a general who is studying a city before he attacks it in order that he might develop his strategy whereby he can destroy the city. So he's watching when they open the gates, the method of which they open the gates, how that the people come out, what gates are the most easily attacked, and, and he's developing his whole strategy in order that he might attack and destroy the city. That's the Hebrew word, the background of the word. It's a military term. Have you been studying Job? seeking to develop the strategy whereby you might destroy him? Have you considered my servant Job? Now, God's witness of Job, perfect man and upright. He loves me, he hates evil. And Satan frighteningly declares, yes, I've seen that fellow. I've studied him. And not only had Satan been studying Job, but he had developed a whole philosophy concerning Job. He said, Job has been blessed of you. Look, he's the wealthiest man in the East. He has everything anybody could ever desire or want. Job is just serving you because you've blessed him so much. Who wouldn't serve you? if you bless them like that. And you've put a hedge around him, and I can't get to him. This interests me. The hedge that God puts around his children. He shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways, to bear thee up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And God has a hedge around us. Satan is complaining about that hedge. Let me get at him. Let me at him. Let me take away his wealth. And he's going to curse you to your face. Job only serves you because... It pays such big dividends. So God said to Satan, all right, I will let you at him. 
Only don't touch him. You can touch his possessions. Don't touch him. So it came to pass in a certain day, while his children were feasting and drinking in his oldest son's house, there came a messenger to Job, and he said, Your oxen were plowing, and the asses were feeding beside them, and the Sabians fell upon them and took them away, and they killed all of your servants, and I'm the only one that is left, and I have come to tell you. And before he could finish his message of despair, a second servant came and he said, The fire of God is fallen from heaven and hath burned up the sheep and the servants, and it has consumed them, and I only am escaped alone to tell thee. And while he was still talking, there came another and said, The Chaldeans have made three bands. They fell upon your camels and carried them away, and they've killed all of your servants with the edge of the sword, and I'm the only one that has escaped, and I've come to tell you. And while he was yet speaking, another came and said, Your sons and daughters, while they were having this big banquet, a wind came out of the east, and it blew down the house, and they were all of them crushed to death and their servants with them. Wipe out, in a moment's time, your wealth, your possessions, and even all of your children are taken away from you. What do you do? Job fell on his face there in the dirt, and he blessed God. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, naked I'm going to return. The Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of these things, Job did not curse God, neither did he charge God foolishly. I would like to say that I have heard many people charge God foolishly. Maybe they didn't curse God, but they've made foolish charges against God. I've heard people say, I don't think God cares about me at all. I don't think God loves me. Those are foolish charges against God. Sometimes because of our circumstances, we are prone to make foolish charges against God. But Job didn't do that. He passed test one. So, back again to the heavenly scene. Another day, and again, the sons of God are presenting themselves before Jehovah, and Satan is coming with them to present himself before the Lord. I have to say concerning Satan, I do, ad well, would you say admire? This guy has a lot of chutzpah. <laughs> I mean, to go in and, and stand before God, to present himself before God takes quite a bit. And God again said, hey, where have you been? As though God didn't know. He said, oh, I've been 
messing around down in the earth, going to and fro, walking up and down in it. God has said, hey, have you considered my servant Job? Good man. <laughs> He's upright. He loves good. He hates evil. Satan, having failed the first philosophy of Job proving to be false, had his second philosophy. Now, in the second philosophy, Satan shows his cunning understanding of human nature because the psychologists tell us that one of man's strongest, most basic instincts is that of self-preservation. That's probably the strongest instinct that you have, self-preservation. And so Satan, recognizing this to be true, said, skin for skin, all that a man has will he give for his life. You put limitations on what I could do to him. You didn't let me touch him. Now, you let me get at him, and he'll curse you to your face. And so God said, all right, you may touch him, but spare his life. Again, God placing the restrictions and limitations upon that which Satan can do. Now, I believe that God does place upon Satan the limitations. The Bible says that God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able to bear. You see, God has put the limitations. Satan can go so far, but God says, all right, that's, that's as far as you go. Now, as far as I'm concerned, God lets him go too far. <laughs> I would just assume God bottled the guy up and ship him off into outer space somewhere. But yet, he is acting really under the government of God because God places the restrictions and the limitations upon what he can do. Brings up a problem. If God does control Satan, then why doesn't God bottle him up and ship him out of the universe? If God one day is going to cast him and his followers into this place scripturally that is known as Gehenna, into outer darkness, then why doesn't God do it now and save us all the miseries? Why does Satan have the liberties that God has granted to him, the power that God has granted to him? Why did God allow him to come into the Garden of Eden? Why does God allow him the freedom to war against us? It's all involved in why did God create you? God created you in order that he might have an object to love and from which he might receive love. Now, 
in order to receive meaningful love, it has to be a free will involved. You cannot be a robot. You've got to have a free will, the capacity and power of choice in order that your love for God might truly be a meaningful love. And thus, God gave us the capacity of choice, the free will. But what value is that unless there's something to choose? To have the power of choice and yet nothing to choose would be totally meaningless. So God not only had to create us with the capacity of choice, but he had to allow the opportunity of an alternate choice. And thus Satan was allowed to rebel against God. And he was allowed to come to man and to offer man an alternate choice in order that if man chose at that point to love God, God would know that the choice was from the heart and it was meaningful and God could then receive praise and glory from the meaningful love that was expressed to him. Taking a chance, man might make the wrong choice. You might be disappointed, your heart broken. Such was the case. But God did know that down through the years, there would be those who would make the right choice. And for the treasure of having the love of those who would choose to love him and serve him, he allowed the choice, knowing that many would make the wrong choice, but yet also knowing that there would be those who would choose to love him and would express their love for him and he could come into a meaningful relationship of love and fellowship with those who chose to know him and to follow him and to love him. So the choice is still there and Satan is still operating in order to encourage you to take the alternate choice. But the fact that you resist the devil and the temptations and the seductions and the allurements and the enticements and those things that he seeks to place in your path to cause you to turn away from God and the word of God and the law of God and to follow after your own lust and desires, the fact that you resist those temptations and you still love God and you gather and you worship God and you sing together of your love and your praise and you spend your time in meditation in his word and just in fellowship with him, that fellowship is extremely meaningful because God knows you don't have to, but it's coming from your heart. And for that reason, God created man and God has allowed the whole mess to exist in order that there might be, at least within it, those who would love him with a sincere love. You don't have to love God. You don't have to serve God. There are very attractive alternate decisions. 
But man must make his choice. And God is honored when man makes the right choice. Now, Satan then is a tool that God uses. God has placed him under certain restrictions. And still there are restrictions. However, Job is now afflicted with boils all over his body, running sores. He takes a piece of broken pottery and scrapes his body. Extremely painful, stinky, loathsome, covered. He sits in a bed of ashes because it's impossible to sit down or lie down anywhere without the extreme pain of this staph-type infection that covered his entire body. And his wife, coming near to him, smelling the foul odor, seeing the pain and the suffering and the misery of a man who has been reduced to this, said to her husband, why don't you get it over with? Why don't you curse God and die? Now, that came from a heart of love. It hurt her to see her husband in such total misery. Job, I can't stand to see you like this. Why don't you get it over with? Why don't you curse God and die? But he said unto her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we receive only good from the hand of God and shall we not receive evil? In all of this did not Job sin with his lips. Now, there were three friends who, when they heard of the misery of Job, decided that they would come and visit with him. Eliphaz who was from Timnan, Timan, he's a Timonite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar, Zophar the Namathite. And they had made an appointment to gather together and to mourn with him and to comfort him. When they saw him, they didn't recognize him. And they were just so shocked that they just began to weep. They tore their clothes, and they just sat down weeping. And for seven days and for seven nights, they sat there, and no one said a word to him because their grief was extremely great. And finally, Job spoke up. And Job begins to curse the day of his birth. Job opened his mouth and he cursed his day. Notice he didn't curse God, just the day in which he was born. Let the day perish wherein I was born, and the night in which it was said, there's a boy that is conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for the night, let darkness seize upon it. And you notice the repetition of darkness, blackness, darkness, 
This is Hebrew poetry. It's that repetition and, and all of a thought and of an idea with amplification upon it. Let that night be solitary. Let no joyful sound come therein. Let them curse it as the curse of the day who are ready to raise up their mourning. And let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark. Let it look for light and have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb nor hid the sorrows from my eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why wasn't I stillborn? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of her belly? Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should nurse. For now should I have lain still and been quiet. I should have slept, then I have been at rest. With the kings and the counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves, or with the princes that had gold who filled their houses with silver, or as an hidden untimely birth, I had not been as infants which never saw light. Why didn't I die where it would all be over with? I would have just been quiet. I would have never experienced anything. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Job on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Job 1-3 through when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's thewordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you, bless you. We praise the Lord for his goodness to us. The opportunity of just growing in our walk and in our fellowship. And may you be enriched this week as the love of Christ works in your life and works through your life. And let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they'll glorify your Father, which is in heaven. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. It is my great pleasure to present Pastor Chuck's commentary on the book of Acts. The Acts of the Apostles is an open-ended book. Jesus continues even to the present day to work in the lives of people throughout the world through those who have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. This book also includes a special foreword written by Pastor John Corson. We studied the book of Acts, but we never saw the book of Acts. 
but we were seeing the moving of the Holy Spirit. Calvary Chapel family, may you always be known as a people who pray in Jesus' name, that it would be Jesus Christ, nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. May the Jesus movement continue on. To order a copy of Pastor Chuck's book, The Acts Commentary, please call the word for today at 1-800-272-9673 or visit us online to read a sneak preview of the book by visiting thewordfortoday.org.